0: And then after I'd done the, the work experience, I did some more work experience on a really terrible uh, ITV show um, called Get A Grip, uh, which was Ben Elton and Alexa Chung. Right. And if any of you, well, forgive me, if any of you worked on it, then please accept my apologies. And <laughs> if any of you saw it, it was absolutely ghastly. And that was quite an impactful Experience for me because I was sat, you know, I was there getting drinks and ferrying people to and from, you know, the studio to the green room or what have you. And I remember thinking, this this isn't any good. But it was like this sort of group experiment in terms of like keeping the ball in the air. Going, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fine, isn't it? It's yeah, fine. I said, like, I don't think it will be fine. Because I don't think it's any good. <laughs> Um, and, and then of course it went out and it was completely panned because it was ill-conceived and um and not very funny. Um so then I like just kept contacting people and emailing people saying, Hey, if you've got any runners' jobs going, any sort of openings, um, you know, please please bear me in mind. And as luck would have it, um, there's a lady called Arwen Davis who's at the BBC, who's now a production exec, executive um, and was a like production manager. And she was making a sketch show and she called me in for an interview and uh, yeah, we hit it off and she hired me and I did that for, uh, sorry, I'm really waffling on. I did that fine. for like Good. three months and then she recommended me for another job um, still within BBC Comedy. And then, so I met the line producer of that and got a runner's job on that program. And then another lucky break, the, the person who was producing that show got, got promoted whilst he was making the show to head of New Comedy. Amazing. And he suddenly had his own sort of little unit, his own office. Yeah. And so when the program finished, there was still a role that's like an office assistant, basically. And so I was able to kind of, um, I was able to do that. And at that point, you you know, I had my foot in the door. I was going to the BBC every day. Every day you're making connections. Mm. Um, And that was when I really started to, like being a runner and doing, you know, sort of essentially going up the assistant director um, path, you know, to be a third and second and first. I pretty quickly like realized I was like that's not my interest or where yeah. I want to be. I was much more interested in scripts um, and really what the you know the, the essence of what you're actually making rather than the, the mechanics. Yeah. Having said that, fasting, fasting, forwarding, fast forwarding,
1: fast forwarding,
0: fast forwarding to being a producer. So much, so much of being a runner came back. And like, stood me in good stead. Because how did I, you make
1: that? How did you make that leap from being run a assistant director to being a producer?
0: So that was I'd started doing in the in BBC comedy. I'd started uh, assisting on uh, live comedy nights. Right, um, and the person who was producing those, someone's got big Mandy I've just seen that. that. Well
1: done, Kate. That is fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so I'd been assistant, and then they got given, they got a, a TV producing job. So all of a sudden there was a gap, they needed someone to produce this live comedy. And because I'd been like, you know, the assistant, it was mm. like, okay, well, you can step up and do it. And then as, I keep saying, I mean, I've just been, as you can tell, I've just been lucky, right place, right time, a lot. Yeah. Um, Jane Burtu, who you're working with, Tom. Yeah. She, uh, we'd met and she'd really liked me and she was moving to BBC radio comedy.
1: Yes. And
0: she said, we're going to, they have two trainee producer um, jobs that come up every like 18 months or so. And she said, I'd love you to apply. So I applied for that and got that. Good old Jane. And that, yeah. So Jane did me a, did me a solid. Yeah. Um, But crucially that was the first time that was I was twenty-five and that was the first time I was able to say I'm a producer. Hmm. And you know, in practical terms, (laughs) was I fuck.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I didn't know I didn't know what I was doing, but I learned you you learn it's the sort of sink or swim thing. Yeah. Um and so I was able to then go to, you know, the Edinburgh Festival or go to gigs in London. And rather than just going up to someone afterwards and being like, oh, hey, I thought you were great. It's like, oh, hey, I thought you were great. And I have at least some small amount of agency in the industry. Yeah. Would you like to have a a coffee or a tea and and talk about what we might do together? Um, And that was kind of the, it was a little bit like learning to drive in a way. It's like, I think when you're learning to drive, all you want is to be able to rip off those like learner plates. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as soon as they're yeah. gone, they like, okay, I'm a bona fide member of the,
1: like, community. And that's how I felt with this. Have I gone off? frozen? Oh, you're freezing a bit again, Simon. Hang on. Would you just repeat that end bit? You just sort of froze then. Just, yeah. Hang
0: on. Let me... Just repeat that end bit. You just I'm just... going to stop my video a sec and see if that makes it any better. Okay. Can you can you hear me?
1: Yes, that's good. I can. We can hear you now.
0: Okay, sorry. It's my. It's either my computer or my ugly face. No, that's all
1: right, mate. Don't worry. We'd we'd love to hear what you're saying, really.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, wh- where did I start breaking up?
1: Um. Literally, just at, just at the end there, just at the sort of like two lines before the end.
0: Oh yeah, I was so really It was just about getting that kind of really gaining the confidence to um, to go out and to start sort of thinking, okay, I can produce things.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if I was going to be sorry, forgive me, I'm, uh, interrupt me at any point, but like the the best analogy I could use to actually describe how I see producing Mm. is that I grew up like my, uh, my dad was obviously in comedy. So I should mention, there's obviously huge, massive swathes of nepotism throughout all of he, he was, was He
1: was Ian Vickery, Dibley and My Hero, if I'm, if I'm correct?
0: Yes, and a bunch, a load of other things. So he yeah. was a writer. Yes. Um, so, I, so our kind of bonding was through comedy. You know, that yeah. was how we connected. Um, and so I remember him, you know, he would sit me down when I was 10 and we'd watch the day-to-day and then i would go to school and i would get my mates to come back and i would show i'd like fast forward and show them the best bits of the day today
1: yeah
0: and that's kind of how i view producing really is that you go out and you find the people that really make you laugh and then you show it to your mates and it's just yeah. as you become more professional your mates aren't mates they're like an audience
1: yeah, definitely.
0: 100%. So, you know, with this country, Daisy and Charlie are unbelievably funny.
1: Yeah.
0: And you then want to share that with as many people as you can. Allied then with the technical side, which is you want to make them better and help them you know, present their, their humour in the most sort of the best, most accessible way.
1: Yeah, definitely. So obviously we're in this weird time at the moment. I mean... How's lockdown been for you? What's been sort of keeping you the busiest at the moment?
0: Well, I've just started a production company right at the beginning of lockdown. And that's Um, Camden, isn't it, yeah? Camden Productions, yeah. Yeah. We do have a website. It's um, (laughs) fairly basic, but it's it's there. Um, And that is... Yeah, so we're in... You know, I'm essentially developing ideas which I will then take to broadcasters and desperately hope that they will um, invest in one of them and you know give you the give you the go-ahead
1: yeah definitely definitely Um,
0: that's I think a common misconception about sort of uh, producers is that like in no way are producers gatekeepers Mm. like they ultimately i am a gatekeeper of what i can develop or what i'm interested in developing yeah but i then become you know completely desperate and it's on the whim of commissioners and channel controllers as to whether i get to you know
1: actually make anything yeah definitely and what would your some sort of advice be at the moment for other creatives so to keep themselves going you know, in this tough time where the industry is a little bit of a standstill, what would you advise them to be doing to make sort of use of this time? Um, yeah, keep, keep creating,
0: keep doing stuff. Uh, the flip side of that is don't beat yourself up if you're not. Yeah. Um, there's an amazing, there's a really good podcast. I can't, I won't risk looking it up because I can't have anything else on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) my zoom link is so, uh, so un- insecure. Yeah. And, but essentially it's about, uh, because i read, I read psychology at university and so yeah. I'm very interested in you know, that element stuff. And there's a huge part of creativity where I think you have to come to terms with what your working methods are and what your working patterns are. Mm. Um, For example, to use myself, I'm increasingly like, you know, I'm 36, I don't, I'm still learning, um, you know, every single day, but I'm coming to terms with the fact that I'm what is termed as a burst worker. And that means that I have long periods of essentially fallow nothingness. (laughs) And then I will hit like a rich seam of enthusiasm and energy and creativity. Yeah. And I used to focus. Uh, on the fallow periods and beat myself up and think Mm. you're shit, you're lazy, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And now I'm coming to terms with the fact that actually that's when things are like slowly cooking and then you like pour it all down. And as long as the end results uh, are good, then whatever your working processes are generally are, are right for you.
1: Yeah. I found a lot of people have been sort of comparing themselves to other people. Some people just naturally are creative and can work at home. And I think that's great. Me, myself, I find it quite hard to work from home. I quite like to go and sit in cafes and coffee shops and other places. Whereas I think at home, you can get a little bit bogged down. And even in the current situation, you can get bogged down. But then there's other people who's writing like, you know, three scripts a week or, you know, whatever. I think you can get stuck in that. Mindset of trying to compare yourself to other people when you shouldn't be comparing yourself to other people's timelines You work at your own pace. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, as long
1: as you get it that like that the, If you're writing,
0: you know, and I'm totally guilty of this is I'm, I'm terrible at the vomit pass <laughs> Yeah, And that's such a crucial Without that you can't have anything else. Yeah um and so it's always that thing, you just have to get it down. And you just yeah. have to have to like fight against yourself and just remember that all first drafts of everything are shit. Yeah. Even if someone tells you that the first draft was amazing. Well, sometimes you can get first drafts that are like good, but they're never amazing they can always be improved. Yeah. But most of the time they're not good. But there's like there's some small essence of an idea or a comic conceit that is so brilliant or original or interesting that you go, that's, that's what the episode's
1: about. Let's make that work and build yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. And sort of like, just sort of like moving on from that. I mean, obviously we are in this weird time. How do you think TV will change after this? I mean, uh, I know there's some crews, you know, slowly going back and, and you know, implementing the social distancing thing. I mean, from your experience, uh, or you know, going forward, especially with Camden on the on the rise as well, what sort of in, what? How do you think TV is going to change after this?
0: Um, the honest answer is, I have no idea, and I probably don't really want to think about it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Because um, um, it's so out of, you know, it's so out of our control. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too political, forgive me if there's any uh, massive fans of Boris on the line, but <laughs> I don't have like tremendous confidence in necessarily the leadership that's coming from the top. Yeah. I, I probably have more confidence in, you know, people like Bektu and various um, organizations that will look after the safe return of filming. Yeah. Um, what that will actually look like and what the financial implications of everything being you know essentially put on hold for six to nine to twelve months. Yeah, am not clever enough to know about that sort of stuff. Do you think it will
1: be a massive boom do you think that maybe the beginning of next year everything will all sort of start at the same time um, or do you think it will all sort of be more spread out what, what do you reckon? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think. I think.
0: I suppose the optimist in me thinks that, in in practical terms, things will go back to normal relatively quickly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be some mega, like mega boom, because there's only you know channels only have a certain capacity for what they can commission, and if they've lost a load of. Advertising revenue and what have you, then they're basically going to be playing catch up. So
1: yeah, that's true. I think it
0: is going to be it's going to be a bit of a handbrake on on new commissions, which yeah. is a shame.
1: Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to sort of Camden Productions. And obviously, you've just set that up with uh, Steve McCrum, who is the producer of Mrs Brown's Boys. Um, so, what kind of projects are you going to be drawn to? What's kind of like going to be a unique selling point of the company? Obviously, apart from comedy, but what will sort of what will draw your eye most to a new project?
0: Um, I'm going to risk starting my video again, so I feel bad just talking like a. Black That's person. all
1: right, <laughs> Okay. Um, if it goes again, I'll tell you, and then we can go back to darkness.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, what are we looking for? We're look. It's go- Has it gone again? No, you're cool. You're good for I now. Know. Sorry. Um, uh, well, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to work with Stephen is because he's, he's been the exec on, he was the exec producer on This Country and the exec producer on Josh before that. Yeah. And he is one of the few executives that I've worked with that act- actively makes a project better and not just different.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's, for me, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a creative producer. I'm obviously involved in, a, you know, some of the writing, script editing. That's it's my it's my baby, and I'm protective of it. And so I don't want someone else going, "Oh, have you thought about setting it in a completely different place, or have you thought about yeah. doing it in a completely different way?" What I do want is what Stephen does and what I would recommend, you know, a great bit of advice for anybody. And I try and tell myself this is a listen to what the people want to make and B remember so that you can hold them to it six weeks down the line, (laughs) because it's amazing how often you'll get caught up in the actual nuts and bolts of making something. And you will, you will have made a bunch of decisions and you'll end up now with, like, you know, a character or a scene or something, some sort of decision that doesn't sit quite right. And Stephen mm. will be like, It's interesting you've done that because didn't you say you wanted it to be X, Y, and Z?
1: Mm.
0: You're like, Yeah, I did. And he's like, So why have you done the complete different thing? And you're like, Oh, because I didn't I sort of got bullied into it and I wasn't really thinking. And he's like, Well, you need to go back to X, Y, and Z, don't you? Yeah. And that is really, really useful. Um, and then from a commercial commercial perspective, it's like we're at kind of opposite ends of the taste spectrum. Mm. Um, you know, I actually, I have a lot of time for Mrs. Brown's Boys as a technical sort of well, not so much the latest stuff, but the first like few series it's an exceptional central performance that Brendan gives. Yeah. Um, it's not my taste. I'm not massively into that kind of broad family sitcom. Yeah. Um, but I admire it from a, from a technical um, viewpoint. So yeah, it's kind of like, I like to think that as a company, at least we're covering more than just one sort of narrow um, bit of the industry. Yeah. Um, But what we both are looking for and want is stuff that is funny and uh, not derivative and feels like it's coming from a place of real fire, really.
1: Yeah. No, it's good. Good. I mean, (laughs) um, you know, as Actor Awareness, we're huge on giving, you know, opportunities to working class talent. Um, You know, sometimes drama schools and as I mentioned to you before, other forms of training just aren't possible for some people. I mean, what would your advice be to sort of working class talent gaining access to the industry without the stereotypical roots of, you know, the drama schools, the universities? Is there any other routes that you know of that have worked for other people um, in terms of that, really? Well, I must confess, in terms of like straight drama,
0: I'm, I, don't, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I'd know, I'd know as much as you. Uh, well, probably less, much less than you, in fact. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, from, from a purely boring, like, audience perspective, you know, at the end of the day, I put on the telly and I watch TV.
1: Yeah.
0: There are some dramas where I think, <laughs> that act is terrible, <laughs> how are they in this? Um, and I don't have, you know, the whole, everything that's coming along at the moment is, you know, I know for a fact, I, yeah, I'm not going to speak at length for Daisy because she said it herself a lot, but she went to Rala and had a terrible time. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't have any doubt that they are, can be quite sort of difficult, prohibitive places. Yeah. Um, how you circumnavigate that in order to get into drama don't know. Um, sorry, that's... I wish no, I that's like fine.
1: A... I mean, just in terms of a producing aspect as well, is it the... And, and script writing and directing, do you think the best way to sort of do it um, is like you've done, is, you know, start at the bottom and sort of work your way up? I mean, we I spoke to uh, Rebecca Patworth the other day and Nikki Salt, and they were both big on sometimes... I mean, I don't know whether you agree with this... But basically going and finding um, bases where people are shooting and going and knocking on the door and being ballsy and asking if there's any any work going sometimes. If there's if you follow the signs and things like that, obviously that's a bit ballsy, but you know, things like that they've recommended before as well. Yeah,
0: it it totally depends on what you what what job your what your dream job is at the end okay. of, you know. I if you want to be an actor I wouldn't recommend going. And no,
1: I, I'm I'm talking pure behind the camera stuff now. Behind the camera, then yeah,
0: it's it is. There's an element of old-fashioned, like you have to start at the bottom and kind of work your way up. Yeah, it's it also it is really. If you can if you can get your foot in the door and you can afford to stick at it, which is no you know is not straightforward. That's another thing that needs to be solved, and you know it's another barrier to. Um, to people sort of succeeding Mm. but if you can you will learn so much from seeing all the different jobs and you will learn actually you know what i came into this thinking i wanted to be a director Mm. actually i want to be a product production designer or i want to work in props or yeah um so yeah any kind of practical experience if that's what you're like if that's where you want to end up behind the camera is is all good um what i would say about circumnavigating the kind of the traditional routes or like you know drama school that sort of thing in comedy it's actually you are in the it's probably the a much fairer um playing field yeah it's not a fair playing field don't get me wrong but there is at least an element of meritocracy which is if you go out and you make people laugh and you get booked again, and you make more people laugh, and you get booked, Yeah, quickly find that people are interested in working with you. Yeah, definitely. So because making people laugh is really, really difficult.
1: Yeah, I agree. So we'll sort of move on to questions that people have sent in. If anyone does have any questions, by the way, guys, please put them in the chat, and if at the end of this, then I can ask them at the end if we've got time. Um, but The first one is, uh, how early on were you involved in, the this, com- in this country? At what stage did Daisy and Charlie sort of pitch to you? And they were pitching to quite a lot of companies for quite a while. Or was it you that sort of seeked them out? How did you sort of get involved in this country, basically? So
0: I had done, I'd made Josh for BBC Three. And I'd gotten really well with Shane Allen, um, who was the commissioner. And he got in contact with me. And he said, would you go and meet this girl? And her brother, they're, she's really funny, but she, <laughs> she needs a producer. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, okay, that sounds interesting. And then I got sent, it was like, oh, they've made a pilot for ITV, but they're now coming to, Shane had commissioned them to make a four-episode series for BBC Three. Um, and I watched the pilot, and I really hated it. And... <laughs> I thought, ah, okay, actually, do I want to do this because this is not my cup of tea at all. Mm. And then at the bottom of the email that had the pilot link in, had a YouTube link to uh, Kerry shouting at her mum, playing, uh, putting sunglasses on on their pet dog. And it was so funny. And I was like, oh, actually, no, this person is really funny. This character is really funny they've just massively fucked up the pilot and totally missed what is funny about this character.
1: Yeah. So did they still I, keep it in the mockumentary style?
0: No, no. It was, it was single camera, like a sort of gang show, really glossily shot, lots of music and, mm. you know, it literally started with a shot. oversight. It was set in Sirencester as well, which is way too big because you know, there's no boredom. You, 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 you don't have the same sympathy for someone being bored in science as you do. Yeah. in the unnamed village. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I went down and met them. We like just instantly hit it off. At this point, Charlie was just writing. He was he was just her kind of bitch. Whatever <laughs> 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 bit word. Um and and so then but they had this character of curtain but the idea was that you know it's like you cast a curtain yeah and and then uh, pretty quickly it was like well you know it makes sense that charlie should play curtain yeah and then it was really like working out the the relationship because it's obviously their brother and sister but we wanted them to be in the same school year yeah and also we wanted them to not have that, it's like they had to be friends, yeah. But also to be able to like leave each other, and if they're brother and sister, that relationship's a little too close and a little more complicated. Um, and then it became about my big thing was like this character and these characters, because really it was just Kerry at this stage and then Curtain. They're funniest when you, when you aren't presenting it as comedy yeah and so that was where the mockumentary format came in because we'd all really loved the original fly on a wall documentary called the family that was one of the things we sort of bonded over when we first met and so it's like we i was wary we were all wary of the fact that the office was so amazing yeah um and it's like you don't want to do but my thing was that there'd been a lot of mockumentaries since the office that I didn't like. And one of the reasons I didn't like them was because they didn't stick to the rules of documentary. Yeah. And so it was like, what we're going to do is we're going to work up these characters, put them in a really, really small, boring sinkhole world. Yeah. And we're just going to cover it and we're going to cover it. And that, um, um, met Tom George very early on, brought him on and he got involved. Like we'd written two scripts at the point that Tom came on board and he then brought in a whole new perspective and angle. And we all just had this complete shared creative vision. And it was like the more lo-fi and the more kind of unproduced and un-TV it was, the more we wanted to do it. So that was like casting slugs, Casting the dad, they were all kind of small fuck yous to the industry,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: because it's like you can't do that, you can't do that. It's like, well, you fucking can actually,
1: yeah, (laughs) it's a very family show because obviously he was their dad as well, wasn't it? Isn't he there? The dad in the this in this country is the dad in real life, isn't it? Yes, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Yeah. and and Len is the uncle, let alone. Trev, Trev is, a, is an He's the only one that was an actual, you know, yeah. actor, but you know, we extended that to, to the second series. We, we went down, I got in contact with a load of like amateur dramatics societies. We did open castings.
1: That's amazing.
0: And it's like, because at least for that show, it was all about the presenting the reality and the authenticity yeah. of the world. And And that is, that's just my, well, that's our taste, you know, in terms of what we found funny. And it is very funny, which is good. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Um, Next one is, um, is the BAFTA win with this country your biggest achievement to date?
0: Uh, Do you know what? It's, it was really, it was lovely. The night was great. But there's a really good story. There's a podcast, I think it's on This American Life, uh, which is about a guy, there's a place in Spain. Uh, sorry, there's a place in, I think, Morocco. Forgive me if I'm getting the details wrong on this, but a place in Morocco in the middle of the desert, which is technically a Spanish settlement. And it's surrounded by four fences. And uh, people sort of camp out in the woods and they build up, to having a go at clearing the four fences. Because if they get inside the settlement, they can claim asylum and move to the EU. And so it's this kind of, it's what they aim for. It's what they want. They think it's going to be the answer to their problems. And if this podcast follows this guy and he builds up, and the idea is that if you get over the the first fence, they get you before the second. If you manage to get over the second, they definitely get you before the third. Anyway, this bloke manages to get over all four fences he gets into the settlement, he claims asylum, he moves to Madrid and they catch up with him six months later and he's just as miserable, probably more miserable than when he was in the woods. And that is the metaphor I would use for describing a BAFTA win because it's lovely and you have a little boost but you are still the same person.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, for me... Just with more work. <laughs> well, well, you say that, it's it's actually... It, it's. Yeah, I suppose I wouldn't have had the opportunity to start Camden if I hadn't won the BAFTA. Yeah. So don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly grateful and uh, it, it was lovely. But what I would say is what I try to do myself is not tie my happiness to anything like that.
1: Yeah, sounds oh, good.
0: Your, it's not in your control. Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: next one is... Uh, what is your biggest advice when writing a new comedy script? As in, what are your do's and don'ts? Uh, and that's just not just comedy scripts, but pilots as well, that was. Um,
0: biggest advice is, it sounds really glib and basic, but, but two, there's two things. One, just be funny be funny be funny be funny be funny be funny yeah because it's, it's so hard i i could write i can write a sitcom script it's in it's going to be you know between 28 and 32 pages it's going to follow the rules it's going to have structure it's going to have an a plot a b plot blah 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 but it won't be fucking funny yeah yeah <laughs> <It's> boring. <laughs> and I'm boring because i've done it yeah and it's like the hardest thing in the world is to be funny and to find those funny things. The second thing is if you want to write a comedy, like if you want to write a narrative comedy, it's character, 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 character. Yeah. Don't waste a minute thinking about your sit if you haven't got characters. Yeah. And you only need one, two, you know, maybe a third of really funny characters and you will start to have the engine of a show. But don't start by going, oh, there's never been a sitcom set in a nuclear power station. <laughs> yeah. no, there hasn't. Write the characters that live there and, and then set it in a nuclear power station, but no one's going to be interested just because it's set in a nuclear power station. Yeah. Is that useful? Yeah. It sounds clear, but...
1: No, it's good because I've been, you know, I was working with Jane literally today, and we've got the character that we that we love, um, and it was all about what situations can you put in, put this guy in, and where will he thrive? And you know, we went in some ridiculous situations, um, but it is it is all about the character first and foremost, and then you just put them in different situations and how you'd think they would react. So it is a good thing, and I, and I do. And I came from that sort of background where you think of sort of plot first and everything else comes later. But mm. I think for theatre, maybe yes, that is the right way to go about it in some ways. But with TV and sitcom, it's completely different. Um, so I think what yeah. you said is completely spot on. But it's interesting. It's it's not an e- it's
0: not easy because so much of what you're seeing. You know, I'll now. I'm a very boring, analytical person. You know, I find it very hard to just like switch <laughs> off and watch anything without going, oh, that's interesting why have they done that? And like, yeah. Uh, you watch, you know, particularly films from that kind of like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, but there's plenty of films still made where the characters are shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> oh, true. God, this ever get funded, but it's because that's a different thing. And in comedy, you know, you read tons of ideas that are like, that work as a one-off film idea.
1: Yeah
0: but a narrative is that character, because you've got to be back with them next week.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like Only Fools and Horses. You look at Del Boy and Rodney, two of the biggest characters in sitcom history, if not the biggest character, and they're just all put in stupid situations throughout the whole of the the series. It's just different situations that these characters thrive in. And even the bit characters, like Denzel and Boise, who aren't even, who are in it, but you just fall in love with them because, again, it's all about the characters and what situations they're in. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, for example, my favorite is Alan Partridge. Yeah. The the testament of how good a character he is, how three dimensional he is, is is, he's had, he's been a sports reporter on a like new, like a fake news show. Yeah. Had his own chat show. He's had his own behind the scenes sitcom.
1: Yeah.
0: His own like internet radio show and made his own documentaries. Yeah. And he's written books and he's funny in, pretty much all of them yeah because that character is, that character is a character is, is a definite crossover between Alan Potters and Steve Keaton I think mean. <laughs> <Like, laughs> that character is just genius
1: no I, mean, I agree I agree um next one is it seems to be um more and more of a thing of stand-up comedians uh, stand-up is a good gateway into comedy writing and just comedy in general in the industry um do you do you see this more and more and is this a good route to go down
0: yeah i mean it's it goes back to what we're talking about in terms of circumnavigating um the systems Mm. you know it's the clearest quickest way excuse me to prove that you're funny
1: yeah
0: um you know even but it doesn't necessarily you don't necessarily need to do stand up for example daisy filmed her own short taster
1: yeah
0: and sent it off to people and her talent was very very clear really it's like you if you're really funny you just want to show people that you're really funny it's like being a footballer
1: yeah you know
0: you could write a really good personal statement it doesn't mean Tottenham are going to buy you
1: yeah exactly yeah it's
0: like going like, go and kind of show them that you're really good at football.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, if you have a piece of new writing, what advice would you give to start pitching to production companies?
0: Uh, look up the people that you like and like, work it up to the point where it's as good as you can possibly make it. Mm and be, hard, like, be tough on yourself in terms of it's so much of this creative process I think is about, the, it's about finding the balance finding the through line mm. because you have to get the vomit pass down, you have to get it down because that's the only way a project is going to go anywhere mm. and in order to do that you have to be relatively uncritical where you just have to like, go, fuck it I'm just going to write it but don't send that sit on it, leave it a couple of weeks, then come back to it and you'd be surprised. you will be like, oh, actually, this is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And there are bits that you'll go, oh, I really like that. And there'll be other bits that you go, I don't like that so much. Yeah. So focus, really fixate on what you like and what makes you laugh. Do more of it and get rid of the bits you don't like. And then once you've done that a couple of times, then yeah, get in contact with people. You know all the production companies. So, I mean, there are plenty of comedy producers. There's lots in, in BBC radio. Mm. You know, obviously you go to the Camden productions website, there's an email you can send in your script. We will read it. Um, I can't promise at this stage, I can't promise like detailed notes because we had loads of, um, you know, submissions, but, That's where I come back to the fact that it is at least in terms of finding a producer, it's a pretty meritocratic process Mm. because if you want me to produce your stuff, you like, you want me to be your biggest fan and your harshest critic.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you when it's amazing and I'm going to tell you, it's like, I love what you do this bit, this scene isn't doing it for me yeah. and I'm the biggest fan. So if it's not doing it for me, what are you trying to do here? Because then we can talk about how we can make it work. Yeah. If, if something is if, like, it is not that interested in you. They'll be yeah. like, Oh great. How long is it? Yeah. It's 30 pages. Brilliant. We'll send it off, but it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to make you better.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And then if something, if let's say something does get sent into your inbox what sort of what would you be looking for that makes it makes it stand out the most? Like, what would stand out to you the most in terms of looking at it?
0: But it, it, honestly, like, less is more. I hate waffle. Yeah, There's so much waffle in this world. Yoga babble, they call it. Yoga. Babble. It's like, don't. I and you have to fight it in your own sort of in your own writing or your own like pitching. Don't ever say. This show is a hilarious take on blah blah blah. Yeah, well, it better be. Yeah. <laughs> all, you know, it's, it's all the cliches, but it's true. It's like show don't tell. Yeah, and you know, I used to do, I used to produce News Jack, which was the open door sketch show on yeah uh, for Extra, and there would be some days where well, I did three series of that, and there'd be some days where you would be you know, opening up one word document after another, reading it. And you do it for three hours without cracking a smile. And I used to think, shit, have I completely lost my, I've lost my sort of compass. I've lost my sense of what is funny. You know, I might be missing the next John Sullivan here or, you know, the next Carolina Hearn. Yeah. And then I'd open up, the next sketch and there would be like one line, one turn of phrase that made me laugh or that was a funny, different way of looking at something. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, that's funny. And then I realise, no, it's not because I've lost my sense of humor. It's just, I haven't read anything interesting for the last three hours. Yeah. And it is so, so much of comedy is about finding those kind of relatable, accessible things but coming at it from a way that the average doesn't come at it. Yeah. So putting a spin on it that, you know, it's like the, the one that's going, doing the rounds at the moment, which is so, I think it's Chris. I, I'm a huge fan of Chris Rock. I think he's. Yeah, he's good. Amazing stand up. And it's the, the line about uh, basically the, the notion of, you know, a few bad apples. And he just contextualizes it by saying there are some jobs that you can't have that. You don't get on a plane and be like, Here, most of our pilots like to land yeah. we, bad apples. Yeah. And it's like you could sit there for a long time and you wouldn't necessarily come up with that kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. But when you read it, you go, That makes total sense and it's funny and it's clever.
1: Yeah, I get it. I think there's a lot of people asking, What, what is the most, I mean, what should they exactly be sending in? I mean, is it, is it, a, a, pilot, is it a pilot episode? along with, you know, um, a breakdown of episode by episode, what exactly should people be sending? Um, is- yeah, if you don't have, uh, if you
0: don't have, like, writing comedy credits, then you have to, certainly for me, I'd have to see, um, some, like, some script.
1: Yeah.
0: And it doesn't necessarily need to be... Um, a 30-page, you know, full narrative. Because the, the, the thing about sitcom is, if you work like, I'm an absolute nerd for sitcom structure and plotting. Yeah. That's my, like, that's what I love. It's quite mathematical. That is something you can learn. Being funny is the hard bit. Yeah. So, like, I'm going to borrow a phrase from my dad. Is, he's always said, just five or six great sketches yeah and if you make those sketches about the same characters and they're in different environments but they're still being funny you're basically 80 percent of the way there to having a sitcom
1: episode yeah yeah good advice good advice um and then if you don't have a liter- a literary agent what is the best ways to get scripts read um, for people who, because obviously you guys have got open door policies, I presume, um, but a lot of companies don't. What would your way of getting into those um, environments be, I guess, without, without an agent? Um,
0: I don't know, really. It's, I would have thought that if you send it to, say you send it to 20 producers,
1: yeah
0: you will get i don't know I, w- I would imagine you'd get at least like four or five of them that would read it and reply. yeah does that sound like you can tell me whether that sounds realistic or yeah
1: definitely 100 i've had i've i've sent stuff to people before um yeah and i've had i've had resp- those sort of responses yeah i would say yeah so
0: and you you're developing it with a producer yeah,
1: I mean, I went to the I went to the unstereotypical route. I mean, the way I went about it is, I didn't know how to get it into TV or, or film. The only way I knew how was theatre. So I got a little fringe venue in in London. I invited. I went on. Tw- I actually went on Twitter. By the way, I actually looked who's who's on Twitter, who I could easily access um, and try and invite into my show. Jane was one of those people. Yeah, she came down and watched it. On a, on a whim, by the way, I just literally tweeted her and was just, and I never knew she was even there until after the show she came up to me and was like, "We need to talk." And mm. now we're developing my script together, which is amazing. I think is that luck. I don't think it is, but um, it's just trying to get your stuff out to as many people as you can. And social media now is a great way to get in contact with these people um, as well. And I think it's about I mean, I did my research of, I didn't just sort of send it to any old person. I, I worked, I looked at people who I think could really help me. Mm. And Jane was one of those people. There was a few others as well. Didn't um, send it to me, Tom. So, yeah, you just sort of do that, really. You didn't, you didn't send it to me. I didn't send it, because I thought you were too big for me, Simon. You just <laughs> want a BAFTA, for God's sake.
0: <laughs> yeah, as, we, as we've now established, that means absolutely... Well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, mate, but that's the thing, like... There's if, the, if, I could, if I could sort of blow one, um, I don't know how widely held it is, it might be not a thing at all, but if there was one misconception that I wanted to blow up, it is the idea that uh, really producers or anyone is sitting in negative judgment of stuff. Mm. When I get an email unsolicited or I open a document, all I want in the world is for it to make me laugh yeah because if it makes me laugh it's like the best buzz and you go fuck i've got like for me i love finding new talent new voices that's the buzz i don't want to go and make a sitcom with michael mcintyre that's not of interest yeah so it's like that's, and that, that is how I swear 99.9, if not 100% of producers are. Yeah. They are looking with the best intentions. They're looking with the most positive eyes. So don't be shy in sending stuff to people.
1: Mm.
0: And, you know, you will, if, you're, if your work is good, then you will find someone who wants to develop it.
1: Yeah. I also think personality is key. As I mean, especially in these emails, when I when I sent mine off, in the subject line I put "Chubby Norvener" in the subject line because I knew that would stand out in someone's inbox. And if someone sent me "Chubby Norvener" in my inbox, I'd be bloody opening it because I think they're calling me a Chubby Norvener. <laughs> um, but I, that, and it, it got me a lot of responses, and I think personality is is big is a, is key. And I think you you can do that in, in anything I mean I've done it to agents I've done it to cast and directs I've done it to everything I've just put Trubbin over and it seems to have worked um, and even if it's not they've, they've had a laugh at least haven't they so there we go yeah. it's
0: like, you're, you're totally right because it's like you want to you want to work with nice people you want to work with funny people you know I used to laugh at the BBC I hadn't had it since I've been at Camden but at the BBC every now and then you get sent the script that um, would be a company like would would basically have some sort of legal uh, disclaimer for you to sign or like an NDA.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's like, sorry, <laughs> a, a, who do you think I am? Like this sort <laughs> of absolute shameless thief that is going to make yeah. an idea. But B, if you need an NDA and you're sending in unsolicited scripts, yeah. there's a disconnect here in your brain that is like. You, you don't need an NDA, is what
1: I'm saying. If you yeah. send off. No one's going to nick your idea. I agree, I agree. We're sort of coming to the end of the hour now. So the way I like to end it, because I run a podcast as well, is we like to end on like funny audition stories of the week. But obviously we can't do that for you, but what would be your funniest industry story that's happened to you? What's been like the, your funniest moment? Oh, man, you should have pretty. My funniest moment in the industry. I mean, we had Shane Meadows on on Friday, and just before he pitched the idea, I can't remember what it was now, he walked into a lamppost and went into the pitch with a, with a big cut on his head and was it, pitched. That and... probably plays into his character, though. That's true. That's true.
0: That's. Oh, man. I'm going to. It's not. Fun. I can't think of a really funny industry. I can't think of a really funny industry story, but I'll tell you one thing, which is uh, something that made me laugh in a pitch was um, uh, my friend, I won't name him, but we were in pitching to a channel and we hit like, at the BBC, it was a very weird system, quite archaic. And so if you had a project, you would go in and you would sort of take turns to give you a little spiel. Yeah. And the other people, none of whom you met, they'd never introduced themselves. They were just these like total W1A kind of execu-bots. Yeah. And um, he was pitching something, and I just saw the lady who was sat next to the channel, like the channel controller looked to the lady, and the lady just went, <laughs> <laughs> but, but my friend hadn't noticed. And so he just carried on pitching, and the channel controller was like trying to, like, it was like, okay, okay, yeah, okay, like that. <laughs> and afterwards, we came out, and I was like, I said, it reminded me if you've ever seen very, very anti it, but if you've ever seen Spanish bullfighting, there's a bit where they put the knife through the bull's brain, but it will still carry on running for like a few steps before it drops dead <laughs> And that basically was my friend. He was like, you didn't realise that you'd had a small dagger put through your brain. Going <laughs> 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 a mile a minute, and
1: then you just slumped down. <laughs> that's a good place to end. Thank you so much, mate. Thank B- you. B-
0: be- ban bu- ban bullfighting.
1: Oh, of course, yes, of course. We don't, we don't condone animal violence here. No. Um, but yes, thank you, mate. That's been a, that's been amazing. I hope everyone sort of enjoyed that. Um, we have got Danny Brocklehurst on Thursday as well. Uh, please join us. Please sign on to Eventbrite and things like that. We've got Jane. We actually have Jane next week, actually on Tuesday. Um, sort of doing um, like this about writing for for radio and things like that as well, um, which is cool. But thank you, Simon. You've been a legend, mate. Um, and yes, thank you so much.
0: Thank. Honestly, I've really. Um, I'm just gonna, gonna save the chat. I'm interested in what everyone said. Honestly, I've loved it. I'm really grateful to you for, for reaching out. Um, it's amazing that you do it. I think that's, you know, to have the, uh, what's a gumption, like, gum, gumption? Who says gumption? No, oh, yeah.
1: The cojones. <laughs>
0: yeah, but, like, the get up and go to do it is such a crucial element. And yeah. so, you know, that obviously plays into the fact that you're now developing the script and everything else. So good on you. And if there's, a like, I'd be very happy to do this again down the line if it would be useful. Amazing. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, like I say, I'm a nerd when it comes to script structure and plotting and stuff like that. So well, maybe I we could do, do yeah, on just yeah, to write a book. sitcom.
1: That would be probably good, wouldn't it?
0: Um, but yeah, I'd be very happy to do anything again if 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 people enjoyed it. So.
1: Thanks, Thank man. you so much, mate. Honestly, that's that's amazing. Maybe we can do one sort of like how to write a sitcom if you're a bit of a nerd on sitcom writing, what the do's and don'ts of that. Maybe that's a good one to do.
0: Yeah, it, maybe how to write a sitcom is a little broad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that too, I
1: mean. How to conquer the world with comedy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that's amazing, mate. And we'll definitely sort of do that again. That that's not a problem at all. Um, and. Yes, if you've, liked this, if you've liked this, guys, tag us on Twitter, tag Simon as well, so we can see all your lovely comments, um, and we'll get more people on these sort of Q&As and things like that until I can't be asked paying for Zoom Premium anymore, which runs out on the 25th. I only want to pay for it for a month because it's expensive. Um, but, yes, thank you so much, guys, and take care of yourselves. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.